This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently, and we get to know them in a different way. Everyone's working around the clock. It's not enough. And so what is the real difference? It's doing those hard things. Working hard is a given, but all your success comes from doing those hard things that other people won't do. Always embrace criticism because people that aren't aren't getting criticized, they're playing it too safe. They're not taking risks. Today's guest on Business Done Differently is the one and only Jeff Blades, our second Aussie on the show after Neen James stole the show a couple months ago. Jeff's a personal development guru and best-selling author of Do What You Want and the Trump Presidential Playbook. Jeff's a former investment banker and now advisor to top Wall Street executives and top CEOs all over the world. Jeff is an absolute inspiration and a content machine, which we'll talk about a little little later. He puts out nonstop gold on his email newsletter and on his website. And Jeff, I am pumped to have you today on the show. (laughs) Thank you for that, Jess. That's a great introduction. And I'm I'm excited to be here, you know, your whole yellow tux. I mean, this to me is going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) Well, we share a lot in common. I think I want to jump into our first segment. Moving on up at the theme song from the Jefferson song. You know, I talk about stop standing still and start standing out. I want to share. Can you share some context with listeners on how you started moving on up? Hmm. It's a great question, right? Where, where did I start? I started as a kid at KFC, right? I started working in jobs as a kid, coming from a, a working class background where it was all about, hey, if you want to buy a better pair of shoes that you can't afford, then you have to go get a job. And so to me, that instilled this idea that was so basic, but it said you get what you work for. And Jesse, when that really changed for me was late in high school where I it, I got very, very lucky that somehow something clicked in my brain where I realized that you know I could only ever get so far in life without an education. Before that, I'd never taken school seriously. And at that point, I basically became all about my school. And I dedicated my, you know, I became like an investment banker in school. It became what I did, 80 hours a week. And I went from having never really studied to getting great grades to getting to university. And that landed me the job at Goldman Sachs. And but where did it start, man? It started with that very basic philosophy, which is if you put your head down and work hard, you can create your life, right? You can create it. You can fundamentally transform your reality. Mm, I love that. And, you know, your big thing, obviously, is, you know, are you living the life you want? And, and you learn by hard work, learning education, and found what you want. But I, I think back on that, that famous scene from The Notebook. And, yes, I'm going there to a love movie <laughs> on The Notebook. But when he, when he holds it down, he's like, what do you want? What do you want? Just tell me what you want. And she can't answer that question. And I think you've been able to find that. I've been fortunate to find that. But in your opinion, working with so many top executives, where do you start to find that life that you want? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a great question. And I appreciate you bringing a little romance into our call, <laughs> man. Um, it's a great question. And where I think this stuff is really, really hard. And I, I would tell you where I think it's the hardest for people is that very few of us actually can answer that question. Mm. What do you want? Right? What do you want? And there's a lot in that that makes it hard, one of them being that, quite frankly, most people know exactly what they want, but they don't believe that they can get it. 
And so they don't give themselves the permission to open up their mind to go on for it. And then a lot of the time, what does it really come back to? You've got to be willing and you've got to really want to answer the question. Because if you look at the world of work, Jesse, what have we got? You know, 60 odd percent of people year in, year out are actively disengaged in their jobs, right? And so the vast majority of people, and we're the lucky ones, right? We're the ones in a modern country, right? Yeah. But the vast majority of people have either settled for what they don't want or they're not willing to step back and do the work to really go for what they want. And the hardest question that I found was, what do I want? And where that gets people stuck is that it can take real work to get to the other side. Mm. And so in many ways, if I'm really blunt about it, when people say, I just don't know what I want, I just see that as an excuse. Mm. That just means you haven't yet done the work to define it. Mm. And that's not easy to do. In fact, that's a journey. That took me 10 years Mm. of reading self-help books to go from the question. When I started this work in 2000, the question was, what do I want? I'm a Goldman Sachs. Half the office got laid off. I thought I would be a Goldman for the rest of my life. And then suddenly I'm looking around at these empty seats and thinking to myself, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) And I had no idea. I had no idea. And over 10 years, I answered that question. And Jesse, to be honest, that question was a really hard question I didn't find in any books, which is how do you actually figure out what you want? Nearly every book on personal development starts with, well, you know what you want. You want success. <laughs> oh, you want to make 100K or whatever it is is their definition of success when ultimately that to me is the harder question to answer. Mm. And as you saw in my book, the answer is actually pretty simple, but it takes a little bit of mind bending to get there. Now, for the listeners, share, share what it is for you. What it is what I want? Yes. You know, if you come back to the title of the book, right, do what you want. If I would stand up and stamp my feet like this, Jesse, ever since I was a kid, all I ever dreamed of was to do what I want, right? It didn't make sense to me that I had to go to school and didn't want to. It didn't make sense to me that the adults around me were saying, well, if you think school's bad, just wait till you get to work. It just didn't make sense to me. And so my vision was always, I just want to create the life I want, it didn't seem like it should be that difficult. Mm. But you know, going to Wall Street, I'm sorry. No, I'm just, I, I guess, like, what does that look like for you? Because I think, you know, the defining it takes such a, you talk about that in your book, it's such a challenge to define it. So, you know, obviously you're doing what you want, but what does that look like for the listeners? Right. So notice, by the way, there's a massive difference between getting what you want and doing what you want. And, That massive distinction is for many years, I believe, when I got what I wanted, I would feel how I want to feel. Mm. And then the huge leap that I realized was actually when I left Goldman Sachs, I was 29. I had enough money to do what I wanted, but I was lacking that thing. What was that thing that I just wanted to do every day? And what I realized after about 10 years of all this work was that what I was obsessed with is how do we get what we want? How do we figure this out for ourselves? And I figured that I had been so obsessed with it, I decided to leave Wall Street to share it with other people. Even though I had no idea how to write a book or had no idea what it would be, I was so obsessed with these ideas. I just wanted to do it every day and I wanted to bring other people into it so I could do it with other people versus all these years I was doing it on my own trying to figure it out. Mm. I love that. You know, your book. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, go through your book is one of the best 
quote machines I've ever seen. And and some of these bo- uh, some of these quotes that you put just actually define what you're talking about. And take what you do well and broadcast it on as big of a canvas as possible. And from Steve Jobs. And you know you were obsessed. You fell in love with this idea of trying to understand to do what you want. And then you said, hey, the next practical step is to learn from it, research it, and then put a book out. Am I following that correctly? Yeah, that's it. I mean, the best idea I had back then was that the way you reach the world with a message is by books. Mm. Now, today I have different views on all of this stuff. But what I knew at the time was that I had been reading all these books. I'd literally read thousands of these books and got so much out of them that it transformed my life. Mm. But what I also saw was that I'd put, you know, whatever, tens of thousands of hours of my life into these books when ultimately it could be so much simpler. And that's why I wrote that book. And that's why I still, it sounds arrogant, but I still see it as the only book you need because it lays out a system, but it's not about all these great ideas. There's a lot of great ideas, but ultimately what we all need to create the lives we truly want is a systematic approach. Set the goal and just systematically work at it every day. Just make progress every day. Mm. You know, Jeff, the game changer was for me when, you know, I actually wrote down what I wanted. You know, for 10 mm. years, I was enjoying the journey, just loving it, being a part of this ballpark, making fans laugh, making fans happy. And then I was like, I want to define this and start writing it down. And you talk about this in the book, defining it. As soon as I wrote it down and started committing to writing every single morning about things that make me come alive, that drive me, and that I'm, I'm reaching towards my goals, it was a game changer. In the last year, you, just, you mentioned it took you 10 years. It's taken me 11 years in business to have that unbelievable clarity to know every day that I'm doing what I want and what I love. And I think it's probably the combination of defining it, but also writing it down. Absolutely. What did you write down, by the way? Like, How did you go about writing that? I, I wrote down, A, what success meant to me. And I, I personally, I define that as freedom and fulfillment and the ability to do what I want, when I want, with the people I want, and to do things that bring me joy, happiness, and purpose. So I started there. So I started mm. looking at what things do I tolerate every day that I'm not loving? Who am I around? What people am I surrounding myself with? Are they making me better? Are they making me you know, the best version of myself? You know, it, when I go home at night, do I feel fulfilled? And so I started defining my days and writing down that. And then it became very clear the things where I'm just, I lose track of time. So I, I tell everyone, are, are you watching the clock during the day? Or are you losing track of time? And I see losing track of time as a positive. That means you're, you're in the moment and you're having fun. And I'm fortunate that I do that every day now. So I, do I have specific things that I do? Yes, but it started at that bigger picture and breaking it down. I love that. I mean, by the way, that is the number, you know, number one rule, which is you've got to write this stuff down, right? So one of the one of the notions, and this is what led to my first book, was I'd written thousands of pages of these ideas because mm. I was just hunting for that answer. And then today, like the most simple process for for anyone listening, the most basic process I call daily exercises. And just imagine that every day you've just got one, two pages of what are those key ideas that you just keep drilling into the brain? Because like you said, Jesse, and as we are talking about earlier, building what you've built, there isn't a phase where it's easy. There are phases where it gets easier, but mostly what happens is our capabilities improve to the point where things that used to be impossibly hard Mm. now feel easier. And then you just start doing things that are harder. Like now you start writing books. Now Mm. you start playing at a different level. Mm. And so if you say, hey, it's never going to get easy why would you do it if it was easy anyway? <laughs> 100%. Well, I say once it gets easy, that's when you need to work harder. 
And I tell our staff that, you know, we've sold out all of our games. I go, guys, now we need to work harder on our fan experience. The fact that we get them here is great, but how do we make them leaving say they'll never, ever forget the game they came to because it got easy. And that actually brings a great, great segment here. Almost into debatable, I want to go, Jeff, because you wrote, putting your head down and working hard is not the answer. And it's not about working hard. It's about doing hard things. I can see both there. So can you kind of explain what you were going with there in your book? Yeah, I would go back to, because I used that phrase earlier. When I was a kid, I thought success was all about put your head down and work hard. Mm -hmm. At Goldman Sachs, it very much is. Call it for the first five or six years. Beyond that, there's not a lot that you can, well, that's not true. Certainly the first two years. Beyond that, though, what actually leads you to win? You've got to pick your head up, step back, and get incredibly strategic. Mm. If you think about building a business, right, head down, work hard is a disastrous strategy versus picking your head up and looking ahead. Mm. And then to your specific point, right, which is doing hard things, to be really honest, Jesse, it's just implied in my work that you work hard, right? I work around the clock because I love what I do and and I have big goals and everyone I know works around the clock. So that's implied, mm. but it's not enough. If you come from a place like Wall Street or big business where everyone's working around the clock, it's not enough. And so what is the real difference? It's doing those hard things. Mm. Take selling, right? The hardest thing for most people in every aspect of their business is resistance, it's those things that they know they could or should or want to do, and they say, I'm going to do that later, mm. right? And this is the notion of eat that frog from Brian Tracy, which yeah. is wake up in the morning and do that hardest thing the first time, first thing in the day, because that's honestly, that's where all our success is. Oh. Working hard is a given, but all your success comes from doing those hard things that other people won't do. Mm. And they always say it's, you know, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And once you feel pain, that's when you're growing. And I tell our staff always embrace criticism because people that aren't, aren't getting criticized, they're playing it too safe. They're not taking risks. So I mm. understand the hard things. So I'll agree with you. It's just it's that combination. If you're doing the hard things, you're working hard. You know, it's not it's not one way or the other. So I think that's I love that. Most together. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, right, I love I, that. I, I want to go to another amazing quote from your book. I think sums it all up. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go do that. Because what the world needs is people who come alive. Howard Truman. I love that. Absolutely love that. I think this is exactly what we're talking about. And Jeff, where that leads is I love this where you talk about breaking the rules and breaking things. And for me, Bill Veck is one of my biggest mentors. I got a poster and it says, a quote, I don't break the rules, but I merely test their elasticity. And you have, <laughs> and you have a quote from Mark Zuckerberg that says, move fast and break things. Can you give me an example about this breaking things? I know I love this challenge in the status quo, but how can anybody do this no matter what company or business you're in? I mean, if I'm really honest, I would say, how can you not, <laughs> right? Like, how can you not? Because look at everything that gets done every single day and ask yourself, is that really how it should be done? Right? Like if I look at Wall Street, a very basic example is that Nearly every banker and every bank rolls around and meets their clients with 100-page pitch books that nobody ever opens or reads. Mm. And that's because most of them have never stepped back and built the skills of selling. Mm. If you're really excellent at selling, you don't walk in with a 100-page book. You walk in and you create a dialogue with that other person. Mm, 100%. That's, a hard, right? that's a harder thing to do, but it's also breaking those paradigms. And truthfully, if you just look at everything we do every day, you know, it doesn't have to be this grand scale of, you know, Zuckerberg breaking, I don't know, the way that we interact, the way we connect. 
It's literally looking at what we do every day, the smaller things, the bigger things, and asking where they can be changed and improved. Right. You said it earlier, Kaizen, right? Yes. If we're just constantly looking to improve things, that's another idea in the book, which is, you know, don't wait for it to break, break it first, right? Don't wait for something to be outmoded. Constantly look for ways to improve it. Mm. And if you're focused on Kaizen and the continuous improvement inside your office, when you're being challenged or you have constructive criticism or you're looking at improving everything, your staff understands that and they understand that it's about change and getting better and they won't necessarily take it to heart. And, you know, a lot of people get defensive. Why are you challenging me? I say, hey, that's what our business is built on, continually getting better, breaking things, innovating. So I, I just love that. I love that quote and, and discussion. So, Jeff, has that led you to, by the way, is that how well has that led you to evolve your team in certain ways? Right. Because not everyone's built to think this way, are they? I, you know, I, I believe accountability is the sincerest form of love. And if you hold mm. your people accountable, you show them that you love them. And that's our whole company, Fans First Entertainment. That's built on this concept of creating a raving fans. And our biggest fans are our own employees, our, employ our people. And we love them even more than the customer. But we have to hold them accountable. And Jeff, I think this is a whole other conversation. But coaches in sports, the Bill Belichicks, the John Woodens back in the day, the Phil Jacksons, they hold their players so accountable and so tough. But people are so soft in business that they don't hold themselves accountable. Or if they do, they challenge them. But it, it's they quickly want to leave that business because they don't know that they actually care about them and love them. And I think we need to build that more into the regular culture. So that's a whole other conversation. But you got me fired up now. I love that. <laughs> you know, there, there are uh, I train with a couple of Navy SEALs train me to shoot. Right. Mm. And one of the things that they talk about is in butts training, the the. The guy who is busting your balls, the guy who is all over you, who's pushing you the hardest, who's being the meanest, is the guy that you respect the most. Yes. Right? Because he's the guy who's really telling you, this is on you. You're either going to make it through because you get hard enough or you're not. No, I love it. Now, don't think, Jeff, you can get away from any of our games. We're going to go into a game right now, <laughs> all right? Now you're giving this, this great wisdom. We're still going to go into a game. This is truth and dare. Just do it. Which one do you like first? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're playing a game we do almost at every show. It's called Sing in the Blank. And we've done it a few different ways here at the stadium. We usually have two people with the mic. We play a song. As soon as the song stops, you have to finish that song lyric. So, Jeff, with your amazing accent, you're going to have to sing a little bit, okay? Do I get I do check the lyrics online? Uh, I think I think you'll know. It's a, it's a famous song, all right? And it fits a little uh, bit of what we're talking about. You, right. you ready to rock? Yes, sir. Here we go. Oh, we're halfway there. Oh, living on a prayer. Take my hand and we'll make it, I swear. Oh, living on a prayer. Yes. That, <laughs> not only did you just belt out some Bon Jovi there, you actually went the whole verse, which I am blown away. Uh, you, you, won, you would not have been pied at the stadium. That is beyond impressive right now. <laughs> I'm hoping that, that was the first concert I went to. Slippery Wind Wet, Bon Jovi. Oh, really? Melbourne, Aus Melbourne Australia, Jesse. Oh, love, see, I knew. That, that's based on my research, Jeff. That's why I went with that song. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful all right well thank you for doing that i'm sure that'll be the only time you'll ever sing on a podcast so we'll, we'll ch chalk that up to memory right now i um, hope so beautiful all right so you got your dare now going a whole different direction you ready for your truth yes sir you talk about what you want you believe in it you write it down it's a part of your life 
But still, is there anything that's holding you back from success right now? Mm. You know, it's always the same thing for me, and I label it resistance. That's the notion, you know, Mm. Stephen Pressfield's great book, The War of Art. And for me, it's always, see, what I believe, Jesse, is that the way that you just keep getting more successful is you get better every day. And so what holds me back is that I just am getting better. It means that where I was yesterday isn't sufficient for me to reach my goals. So I have to keep getting better. And ultimately, what does that come down to? Removing more resistance. Mm. What are those things that I'm not doing? What are those things that I could do better? Where are the points where I can reach out and expose myself more? What are the ways that I could drive results if I was willing to get beyond old fears or old inhibitions or whatever it is? Wow. These are the questions I put to my every every call with a client. What are those hard things you're not doing? Mm. Right. Every single time. And I hold myself, obviously, look, I have to eat my own cooking. Mm. I've been eating it for a lot longer than any of my clients. But I, I think anyone who pretends that, as you know, most of the people who are in my world, the gurus, these are people who are just journeymen. Mm. They're people who've spent so much time on this because they were solving it for themselves. And so you see that, right? I'm constantly, I'm my number one client, Jesse. Every day I'm getting better. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's an interesting way of looking at, you know, to look at yourself as your client. You're working for yourself. And I, I love that. You know, what are those, again, going back to what are those hard things you're not doing? I, that's great. Now we're shifting from that to uh, obviously we'll go a little controversial here, but we talked a little bit pre-show. In the Trump presidential playbook, disregarding Trump and the presidency and what your thoughts on politics, I believe this may be the best book on marketing and attention. And if you search marketing books all over Amazon, you'll find thousands. But if you search books on how to get attention, there's very few. And you absolutely nailed it with this book. I believe every company that does marketing, which is every single one, needs to read this book. And I want to jump right into it. Some of the tools he used to create attention and win a presidency, which everyone thought was impossible. I want to open with one quote from him. And you mentioned the book. I like thinking big. I always have. To me, it's very simple. If you're going to be thinking anyway, you might as well think big. Trump obviously thinks big with everything. But can you share some of the tools that he used to create attention and win the presidency? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great look. It's a great question. It's a great topic. I wish that I could talk more about it. You know, as we talked about up front, that um, I chose not to get embroiled in all the politics of it. It's not my thing. It's not what I care about. I personally don't spend any time on topics like that. Mm. But I was so drawn into his a way of winning. Mm. You know, I didn't pay any attention to Donald Trump until the first debate where I saw him stand up there and demolish people. Mm. And so there were two parts to it to me that really grabbed me that was so fascinating to me. The second part is not the one you asked about, which is what specifically did he do? What are those skills that enabled him to crush the field? And then the first one, to your point, attention. What did he do? What are some of those devices? You know, the most obvious device is that Donald Trump doesn't care whether it's negative attention, right? Negative attention is attention. And so where, again, this is a, you know, this is a controversial way to put it, but where most people who don't understand attention failed was they gave him attention, mm. right? So if the, if the liberals hated him, then why did they keep talking about it? <laughs> if the conservatives wanted him to not be the center of the stage, why did they make every one of their debate lines about him? Mm. And what basically happened was that they were trying to take down the tall poppy 
but they failed because they didn't understand that the attention was just a way for him to spin his own stories. Mm. And he's so good, right? So good at taking attention and spinning it his way. Mm. So that's one thing, right, which is negative attention is still attention. But I would say the second thing and the most important thing, and there's a video on my website uh, when I was on CNBC talking about it, Jesse, is attention's one thing, man. But his skill set is how do I take that attention and utilize it? And there are very few people in the world who are excellent at that. Barack Obama, by the way, was just as excellent in different types of ways as well. Well, he created the tension to bring it back to his messaging. And I think I didn't realize it at the time. But when we came out as the team, the Savannah Bananas, and locally, we were crucified. People were like, how dare you guys come up with a name like this? You're an embarrassment to the city. You should be thrown out of town. We were crucified. And it actually was negative attention. But what it did is drew, drew everyone into organization and said, whoa, the Savannah Bananas, these guys are fun. They have a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Bananas. Their players dance. And it brought us into our messaging. We make baseball fun. Trump, from your book, you explained, he had this crazy attention. He said things that weren't even true, but it drew them talking about him. And then he came back with his messaging over and over again. Make America great again. Make America great again. That's it. Look what he did. I mean, uh, one of the most horrible things he said, in my opinion, was what he said about John McCain, Hmm. right? And, you know, by all accounts, McCain is an American hero. But by saying that, he drew so much attention to himself, you know, and over and over again, you know, he bought himself, whatever, $2 billion of free attention. Mm. And then he was able to convert it. And my bet is what you said for the Savannah Bananas is so right on, which is that once people, you know, maybe there was an, you drew attention with that, wow, who would call them that? But once they saw the fun of it, they saw the yellow tux, once they saw what you were doing with this, it brought them around. And Trump, honestly, obviously didn't bring a lot of people around, but he brought around enough people to get himself elected president, which is insane by pretty much every standard anyone could have imagined. Right. And I love, you know, I wrote this and I share with you that we do book reports. I wrote this in the book report, always finish every negative point or problem with optimism. You know, no matter how much Mm. he talked about problems, he always came back to a solution. And you know, as I shared before, one of the biggest problems I find out here with baseball is to many, it's long, slow, and boring. However, we found a way to make baseball fun and have nonstop entertainment. We talk about the problem, but finish with the solution. And I think every company should do that. You're so right. And you know, I love, I love that we're talking about this because I don't get enough up. I just keep my mouth shut on this here for <laughs> obvious reasons, right? But, but what I think is so cool in what you're saying is that you know, I, I extracted, as you saw in my book, I extracted from all of his speeches these two very basic devices that I call the Trump two-step and the Trump four-step. And no matter whether he did it in the 30-second stump speech at the start of the debate or he did it over 45 minutes in a presentation, it was always the same structure. Hit people hard with the problem because you need to install pain and you need to grab attention, but never leave them there. This is the problem with the media, and I don't want to get into that whole world of influence, but the media creates massive amounts of attention with negative information, but it leaves people there, Mm. right? Whereas Trump created, obviously, that massive amount of attention and then moved people to his solutions. Mm. And that's gained, as I said, half the country didn't like those solutions and they hate him for it. But he, he was able to do that sufficiently with enough people that he brought them into his messaging. Yeah. And I don't want to go too much. You can keep going with this. But it's OK to an extent 
to be polarizing. Believe me, I know when I walk around the airport in a yellow tux, people look at me like, who is this crazy guy? But but the reality is you don't need to always fit in with everyone. It's about standing out. And I'm not saying Trump in a positive manner at all, but he figured out how to do it from a marketing standpoint. And that's brilliant. And I want to jump into a fun game here, Jeff, which I've never done Can before. Can I just stop you before yes. the game real okay. quick? Because I have a question for you, which is, Jesse, what did it take for you to get comfortable with that? People looking at you in the yellow tux, standing out. Were you always that way so it didn't matter to you? Or did you have to train yourself in some way? Like you said, Kaizen, continuous improvement. It started, I wore it on game days here at our stadium. Mm. I felt like this was my home. Then I started wearing it every day in our community in Savannah because people knew who I was and they accepted that. Then I wore it on all my speeches. So I started giving speeches in it. And then one of the biggest craziest things was when I would go to conferences, instead of just going to a conference dressed up like everyone else, even if I wasn't speaking, I wore that and I would wear it all around the conference. And I'll, I'll be open with it. It was extremely nerve wracking. I knew mm. to some people I looked like an idiot, but I was like, you know what? This is me. I'm not going to change. And I wear it all the time now. But it took those small steps. And I challenge everyone that you can't just sometimes jump all the way. You take those small steps to be able to get there. I love that. And there's, look, there's so much to that about insecurity and self-image. And, you know, if I go back to personal change, right, mm. and that's a big fallacy in personal change is that. Now, in my world, you know, in hypnosis, you can change a lot of things very fast. But for the most part, personal change happens progressively over time. You don't lose 100 pounds in a week, right? Yes. You have to just keep accumulating those small steps. It's training a muscle. It's, you know, like anything. Totally. Training a muscle. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Don't think you're getting away from the, the game there, Jeff. Muscle, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, Whatever, it, man. I'm all about the uh, game. All right. You should be out a little Bon Jovi there. <laughs> so we're having fun. So this is the attention, attention game. <laughs> I want you I want you to use some of the techniques that you talk about in the book that if you are this certain type of company, what would you do to get attention? Okay? <laughs> so we're gonna start, we're gonna go uh I'll I'll go easy here. A restaurant to start. A restaurant? Um <laughs> using his two step or his four step, or what type of things would you do to start getting people talking about you as a restaurant? Right. Well, you could talk. I mean, you could, but I mean, again, this is a dangerous one, right? If you play the pain one, you start with some sort of controversy, right? But what do you do? You create something that's so unique and so compelling. It's probably not the menu. It might not be people walking around, you know, you have these naked restaurants. But what is it? Jesse, it's a hard question for me. What do I come back to? What's your edge? You need an edge, right? What's that edge for your restaurant that says we're different, we're special, we're interesting, whatever that is? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's what makes you stand out. Yeah. And I'm like, look, I'm no marketing expert and creative genius on actually how you do that, right? As much as don't, I know you need to do it. Well, it's like, it's again, I guess the simple way to look at it is, is go back to your messaging. How is your messaging so simple? What does it stand for? I mean, make America great again. Everyone could say that, but no one else knew any of the other slogans or I'm with Hillary. What, what did that mean exactly? So, you know, maybe it's to an extent, you know, I'm jumping in here, but this restaurant has a very simple slogan that makes them different that, that, that people can repeat and people can share. Think about McDonald's, right? What do they got? Golden arches. You know, there's something, as yeah. you said, there's something. And again, the, the pain thing's bad on it because, you know, oh, we had a, they found a mouse in the restaurant, but now it's good because of X, right? I don't think that's a good strategy in that business. But, but I mean, like another business, like insurance agency, I mean, pain yeah. is, is huge that's used. And then, you know, you're paying for the security and safety of your yourself and your family. 
Absolutely. And it's shocking, right? It's like there's a billboard around the corner from here which has a van that's rolling, right? Like it's rolling and the windshield's crushed. It says not the time to check your kid's seatbelt. Mm, yeah, 100%. All right, I want to go into lightning rounds here because I know we're, uh, we're getting to the end. The final rounds, uh, I'm going to give you, you've been amazing. I'm going to give you the opportunity to flip the script now. So you are the <laughs> host of Business Done Differently and you can ask me any question. Nice, all right. Talk to me about, talk about that continuous improvement and the hard things. What are the hard things that you're focused on now? Mm. I'm huge into morning routines. I believe you win the morning, you win the day. So um, every single morning, I'm very strict. I get up, I read, I write, and I go run, and I write a thank you letter for gratitude, no matter what. And we got home at 3.30 in the morning the other night from our uh, second game. And still, my wife's like, are you really getting up at 5.30 again? And I go, yes, it's not easy. It's easy to sleep in. So many people press, press the snooze button on life. And I believe no matter what, you wake up in the morning and you said your routine, you win the morning, no matter what happens the rest of the day, no matter how many fires come out, you've already succeeded because you've already self-educated yourself, both in self, your, your health, your mental health, and you've trained that muscle. So for me, it's actually, that doesn't become hard anymore. The hardest thing, Jeff, is working with people. And we have all millennials on our staff, 15 full-time people, 22 to 27 years old, getting to know them, what drives them, listening to them, being a leader, not a manager. People like to be led. They don't like to be managed. So that is the hard trying to play almost psychiatrists, you know, psychotherapists, all of them every day and getting to know what makes them tick. So that's the hardest thing that I'm spending most of my time after I finish my mornings. What is the thing that holds you back the most? <laughs> now you're going to two questions, Jeff. You can't, you're really trying oh, to only get one. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I like where you're going. What, what, you know, what's, uh, it's, <laughs> geez, now you want me to go into answering that a little bit. Uh, I, I think you want. No, I will go quickly. I think what holds me back and I think it holds a lot of um, entrepreneurs back is that balance between being there for their family and being there for their work family and stuff. I just had my first kid. Amazing story. He's healthy. And my wife and making sure that I commit to putting as much effort there as I am here. And I think sometimes you have to, one thing sacrifices the other. So you have to make sure for me, I, I'm actually putting my number one priority first and figuring that mm -hmm. out. So that's that's a balance of what's holding me back. Now we're getting deep. All right, back to you, all right? You, you got two questions there, you won. Um, I wanna go question time. And, and you asked some great questions, but I believe so much, and you talk about continuous improvement and personal development. If you want better answers in business and life, you need to ask better questions. What are some of the other questions that you're asking yourself? You talked about, you know, what are those hard things you're not doing? But what other great questions are you asking yourself? I mean, if you think about my world of my world of hypnosis and NLP, as much as it sounds like programming to most people, it's actually about asking great questions. Mm. And those questions, ultimately, though, they're mind busting, meaning stuff like this, right? Oh, if you're facing resistance the obvious questions don't get you through, right? The key to good questions is reversing the, the direction a lot of the time. Why can't I get myself to take this action? Terrible question, right? Mm. Why can't I, you know, why don't I feel like doing this work? Terrible question. How do I do this? Terrible question, right? Versus what does it really take for me to get fired up about this? Mm. What are the things that if I could really lean into are going to feel amazing now and make a big difference? Mm. Oh, how would it feel an hour after I'm beyond that resistance and I'm just absorbed in what I'm doing? Mm. What are the ways that just taking this one small action might lead to all sorts of great outcomes? 
What you see from a lot of my work, if you come down to a very basic paradigm, my work is about mind and actions. You see in the book, process and skills, mind and actions. I've tried to reduce it down to such basic stuff. So if you think about your questions, Jesse, they relate to two things. What direction do the questions take your mind and do they move you closer to actions? Mm, I love that. The world of psychotherapy is broken because they ask bad questions. Someone comes in, I'm depressed. Why are you depressed? Terrible question, right? My world, how do you know you're depressed? Mm -hmm. When aren't you depressed? When you're looking back, having gotten beyond the depression, how do you feel then? Mm. Do you see how all the questions directionalize the mind and directionalize the actions? That's brilliant. And it's about emotions too. It's like, you know, how do you feel in this? What gets you fired up? I think that's, it's triggering emotions because when you have, when you have, these strong emotions, that's when you can really get these strong answers. Absolutely. And you're right on, right? So if you think about it, what are, what are us animals, right? We're thinking and feeling machines. Mm. And if you go really deep into the mind and into meditation and the philosophy of all this stuff, in the end, it just comes back to one very basic thing. There's a feeling in the body. Does that feeling lead you to create the life you want or does it keep you stuck? Mm. I mean, it's not, I know that sounds so simple, but my work has to be that simple, 100%. which is all right. So, right. So you feel, I just can't get myself to make that sales call. Mm. That's just a feeling. What feeling do you need to be in to make that call? Mm. Oh, I need to be in that feeling. Great. So what you need is a process to get to that feeling. And I know that sounds basic, but it is that basic. I love it. I absolutely love it. All right. We'll, we'll finish with some lightning. I mean, Jeff, I, I, we could go for hours. All right. But we're going to go into some lightning, more lightning rounds here. Tool time. And you can answer this any way you want. What's the most, what's the most important tool you have in your business toolbox? Honestly, it's a tool I built called the Limitless Three Step. And the Limitless Three Step is the way that I get myself from any state into an amazing state, visualizing the action I'm taking and absorbed in doing it. It is such a basic tool, but it comes back to this notion we're talking about in business. All that matters is, are you clear on what needs to be done and how effective are you at doing it? Mm. The limitless three-step. Yep. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right. That's, that's, most people go with like a cell phone, a scheduler. You go deep, and that's what I love about it, Jeff. This is brilliant. All right. Oh, I didn't, yeah, I wasn't even thinking. Uh, yeah, I get it. But yeah, exactly. Look, to me, man, it's all about what leads you to what actually leads you to do those things that you're not doing or what leads you to take those steps that are truly transformational? Yeah, much value, more, more valuable tool there. All right, so I want to get to know you some favorites. What's your favorite part of your morning routine? Hypnosis. I start my day with at least an hour of hypnosis and I just, I love it. I love where it takes the mind. So you hypnotize yourself? I have recordings from some of my teachers. I have recordings that I've made for myself, but I'm constantly using tools of the mind, which are, you know, hypnosis and meditation. You know, if, if people haven't gotten into them, they can seem these weird, weirdo things. But, you know, ask yourself, how many people get deep into meditation and then stop? Mm. Basically none. Yeah. People who get into this stuff, they find something in there that you can't find anywhere else in your life. Mm. Brilliant. What about favorite way to unwind at the end of the day? Oh, man, my thing is working out and it's not even the end of the day off, but it's that point in the day where I just I'm blowing out, you know, whatever it is that I built up and I'm resetting. Love it. Favorite book that stands out to you? 
<laughs> it's a tough I'm one. I'm just looking. Yeah, it is a tough one because I, I mean, the one that I'm just, I just, I love is Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Mm, love it. And, but, you know, it's it, honestly, I've just read it so many times that I don't read it anymore as much as I love the principles. And more importantly, what I love about it is if you do the work in that book, you're doing three hours a day of exercises. Mm. See, this is what's missing in the world of development is that people think it's about ideas or inspirational quotes. It's about what specifically you do every day. And that book trains you how to do it if you're willing to do it. Great. All right. Favorite band or musician? And you can't go with Bon Jovi here. I mean, this is random. The weekend. It is literally, I, I don't, I very, I listen to very little music. I don't watch TV. I don't watch movies. I, but I have certain artists where I just listen to them on repeat. The weekend. Awesome. It's very random. It's very random. Awesome. All right. Now in New York City, right? Where you are now? Yeah. Favorite restaurant? Yeah. The ones I go to, man, I'm all about my local places. There's a place around the corner called Cook Shop and it's just farm fresh. New York has so many great, you know, natural farm fresh type places. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Magic moments. What's a favorite mm-hmm. moment in your life that you'll never forget? I'm at Vale Mountain and I'm skiing down to chair five. There's about two feet of powder uh, on the ground. The day is like this bluebird day and I'm just hooking these, like snaking these turns with one of my buddies off to my right-hand side and it is just, I lived in the mountains for three seasons and it is just etched into my head. Mm, Sounds amazing. All right, Jeff, we're our final four here. Number one, what have you done to stand out in business and in life? I do what I want, man. Perfect. That's simple as that. I love it. All right. Now, this could be the same answer here. What would be the best advice you would give to someone to stand out in business and in life? (laughs) (laughs) To stand out, do what you want or ultimately, right? Again, like that restaurant, find your edge. Find that way that you're unique and just keep drilling it. I love it. Best advice you've ever received? To own it. You know, and I told you earlier, Tucker Max was the one who told me to put do what you want on the cover of the book. Before that, it was the guide or it was something else. He's like, what's your stuff about? Do what you want. Mm-hmm. And he, it was so simple, but so powerful. I love that. Everyone can learn from that. Own your own story. Own it. I just think that's brilliant. And then finally, that's a great way to put it. the last one, Jeff, how do you want to be remembered? <laughs> For doing what I want. <laughs> For doing what I want. And honestly for being willing to do what it takes to do what I want and then to share that and help other people do what they want. Oh, brilliant. The great quote from your book from Waldo Emerson, do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. My friend, Jeff, you have left an amazing trail today. Had an amazing time with you. Where could people learn more from you and connect? Uh, Best place to get me is jeffblades.com, G-E-O-F-F-B-L-A-D-E-S. And we didn't jump in it, but your emails, your e-newsletter, guys, subscribe to it. He throws out some amazing fire every single week. Absolutely love and adore it. And Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Jesse. Great to connect, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently. Our goal is simple to inspire you to think different, have fun, and stand out in business and in life. For more ways you can stand out in your business, visit findyouryellowtux.com and you can get the Yellow Tux Handbook for free with the six steps to stand out directly from the Find Your Yellow Tux book. Finally, a big shout out to Podcast Pilot for producing the show and making all the magic happen. 
For questions, ideas, and feedback, I'd love to hear from you. So shoot a note to jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.